Hello and welcome to the Covenant Fellowship Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us. Today's message is here to help you preach the good news everywhere in your day-to-day life. Here at Covenant Fellowship, we accomplish this by encountering God, loving people, and serving others with everything we've got. Now let's dive in. Let's go to the Bible, if you will. Join me in the scriptures. If I can get this thing open. Join me in the scriptures today. And I thank, uh, thank the Lord for his faithfulness. But I want you to join me in 1 Peter chapter 2. And when you do that, when you got it, say amen. They'll have it on the screen for you if you don't. I'm going to get this up a little higher. I do want to share a couple of things with you. Uh, I've got this written down. I just kind of came up more spontaneously. But the Lord shared with me this morning in prayer, immediate transaction, the work of the Holy Spirit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. But today, in this, there's been people that's received the word. With There will be immediate uh, transaction that it will be in this accommodating season, not a later one in this one. So we just received that with, with gladness. Again, as Miss Paula has stated, and, and I want you to receive it because, um, you know, I, I feel like that we could get into some even deeper, stronger flow as we as a church embrace who we are. You know, it's, it's not enough for me to say Covenant Fellowship Church exists. To, for the, the reason we exist in our mission is to preach the good news to everyone everywhere. You've got to personalize that. You've got to recognize I exist to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone everywhere. That's, that's my whole reason for breathing. Yeah, I want to take care of my family. I want to be a good guy. I want to be a good friend. I want to be a good brother to my brothers. I want to be a good son to my mother and dad. I want to be a good friend to you. I want to be as good as I can be. I want to be a hard worker. I want to be a provider for my family. All of those things. But above all of that, I believe that my mission in life is to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone everywhere. That's the reason why I live and breathe. That is, that is who I am. And I believe you've got to embrace that on your personal level. You can't just leave this up to this body and say somebody else will do it. You've got to do it. And, and I recognize that you say, well, I'm not called to be a preacher. Yeah, the Bible says for all of us to go and preach the good news to everyone. That's what the Bible says. So you are. You may not be called to a pulpit like this, but you're called on a platform of life. And every one of us has to embrace that. Now, I get it. It might, it might make you nervous. You might need to have some understanding. Well, guess what? Jesus said he'll give you the Holy Spirit to do just that. Jesus will give you the Holy Spirit to do just that. And if you talk to the Lord, he's, he's in the transacting business. So the Holy Spirit will come and help you do that. But you've got to embrace that internally. You've got to embrace that. And to be a part of this house, the three words that do guide us that you want people to have. You want people to have an encounter with God. Here's what I know. There's a lot of crazy stuff happens in the world, and it happens through people. But it happens through people who do not embody the goodness of the Lord and have not been made a new creation. Hey, the reason people are doing what they're doing is because demons fill their heart and fill their mind. Demonic demons fill people that continuously propagate rebellion against God. And when people are in rebellion against God, they'll do all kinds of things. Don't be surprised when sinners sin. 
I mean, you're not surprised when a baseball player hits a baseball, right? Go Braves. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> you're not surprised when a baseball player hits a baseball. Don't be surprised that a sinner sins. But you need to understand the reason that they do and what will change them is not your argument. What will change them is an encounter. And an encounter with God. And encounters with God are not happenstance. They're not happenstance. You carry the encounter with you. If you have the Holy Spirit with you, how many of you know the Bible says you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? You know who the Holy Spirit is? God. Hello. And, and, and the people will receive an encounter with God by the Holy Spirit that's within you. And your job is to allow the Spirit of God to operate in such a way that people do have an encounter with God, not just you. They have an encounter with God. You've got to love them. And then you've got you to be pouring your life out in service. The Bible says the great people in the kingdom are people who serve. And so that's what we want to see happen. And you've got to embody that personally. You're a servant of the Lord. You're a servant. Don't look to anybody else to pick the trash up in the parking lot. Don't look to anybody else to set tables up for an outreach. Don't look to anybody else to do their part in the, the outreach that we're doing on, on, uh, on the 30th. You just do your part. Just worry about, worry about you. Worry about your role, what God is saying for you. That's, that's all you got to do. But if you'll serve, someone else will understand that there is a cause higher than just living for yourself. It's living for the Lord. Living in the kingdom. And then she's already went through the word-centered stuff. But I want to share with you today, this, this series that the Lord has us in now is a, is a construction series. It's under construction. And a lot of it has to do with really getting involved in the mission in terms of construction. And so I just want to share those things with you. Last week, no, not last week. I got I to gotta back up. Actually, I got to hit the pause button. Let me hit the pause button right here just a minute. Okay, last week was amazing for us, guys. You guys loved on us in ways, and I'm sorry I haven't said it as of, as of yet. I said it on social media, but that's not enough. I want to be able to say, and say to your face, and not because of the gifts and the words of accolade, you make what I do such a pleasure to love you, to get to serve the Lord by loving you. Thank you so much for that. Apart from anything that you've done for us, we're so thankful. Now, all the gifts were, were amazing, and we're so thankful. Uh, we're thankful. It's, it's blessed us tremendously, and we're very, very thankful for that. And so I want you to know that, and I didn't want to let this week pass by without saying to you face-to-face, -face, thank you so very much. It's a special, special day. You know, you, you don't have to do that. I, it, it's not a part of my yearly agenda is for you to do pastor appreciation for me. Part of Charmin and my agenda is, is we want to show appreciation to our staff. We want to show appreciation to our church family. But it is not so that you'll reciprocate that back in any way. It's not, it's not motivated by that. But thank you for those of you that do and feel the heart to do that. And we appreciate it more than you know. So we just want to say that. All right, hit play again. Here we go. All right, so if you're in First Peter chapter 2, we'll pick this up here and go on through this construction stuff. Here we are. Here we are. The Bible says, Coming to him as to a living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious. I mean, no, Jesus is precious. Uh, Y'all remember that song, He is so precious, Jesus is precious to me. I love that. I love that old song, He is precious. And you also, as living stones. Here, here's God making a comparison to Jesus and you. How I many know God loves you? He loves you. And He says He calls you, you're a precious stone as well. And He says, are being built up 
as a spiritual house. God's got you under construction. God's doing a thing, amen? I'm telling you, God's doing something, not just in you, but among you and through you. God's doing something. God's got a plan. You're being built up a spiritual house, and here he identifies it. He says, a priesthood, a holy priesthood. That's how God sees you. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I pray the Lord just add his mighty blessings to the word of God today. And I want to talk to you about this for just a little bit. We got some stuff up on the stage other than my bottle of water here. You don't, you don't need that. But I, I got some stuff. As you guys know, we started this a couple weeks ago to be able to just help you to understand construction just a little bit. You say construction. Yes, construction. Here's what I know about you. I started to do it this way. I started to say, how many in this room are doctors? How many are lawyers? How many are school teachers? How many is this? How many are business owners? All that sort of thing. I don't need to go through all of that because I already know what you are. You're a construction worker. For some of you, that feels demoting. For some of you, that may feel elevating. But I'm not talking about it from the sense of of, um, of, of this world. I'm talking about it from the sense of what God wants to do through you. You ever thought about this? Listen, God could have picked any family to allow Jesus to be born through, but he allowed him to be born into a family whose father was a construction worker, a carpenter. Not so you could just say, oh, look how humbled and Jesus was born in a blue collar, but set the backdrop of the expression of God to the world saying, I'm building something and I'm going to put the chief cornerstone and then I'm going to ask all of you to participate with the building process. Huh? How many of you know that? Jesus, Jesus, yeah, he was the son of a carpenter and people just look at him and paint all of the pictures of him making furniture and tables. But how many you know his kingdom was much bigger than just furniture and tables? He's building a spiritual house and the Bible teaches us in Corinthians that we co-labor with him. How many of you know you get to work with God in this thing, man? Listen, you may not have some co-workers that you like very well. There may be some that undercut you. There may be some that is out against you. Some of them that compete against you for a promotion. But man, when you go to work in the kingdom, you go to work with a co-worker named Almighty God that's all for you. Can you imagine picking up a beam with God? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know how I imagined that with me? God saying, hey, I'm going to get this in. You get the other end, help me lift. And I go to lift and I can't even pick it up. But while I'm holding on to it, he picks it up on his shoulders and here I am just dangling. You know, kicking your feet. Just dangling him carrying it. The imagery here that I'm trying to build for you is the Bible says that we co-labor with him. We co-labor with him. Paul even looked at it this way. He said, hey, Apollo's done it this way. He, he, he watered. Another one plants. It's God that gives the increase. The imagery is working together. You work with God. You're the extension of his hands. Your lips are the place his heart breaks forth into language. Your feet is the, the feet that he uses to run to the mission and the direction that the mission needs to go. God works with you. He works with you so much that he comes and lives on the inside of you in order to be able to accomplish it. Because the work that you do is not of yourselves. We can't do it in and of ourselves. The spiritual work that we're doing has got to be done by the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says if we do it that way, if we do it in the flesh and our own strength, we're going to labor in vain. But it's the Spirit of God that does it through us. Amen? You understand that? The Spirit of God is working through you. You get that? God's hands is in you. God's heart is in you. God's work is in you, man. 
Yeah, by the Spirit of God. That's so powerful and profound. I wish I could communicate it to the highest level because the Bible says that no man knows the mind of a man save the Spirit that is in him. In other words, I've lived with Charmin now for 20-some years, 28 years we've been, we've been married. And, and here we have been on this journey for 28 years and you would say, man, he knows her inside and out. No, I don't. I'd like to think that I do. I know most of the ways that she will act and most of the ways that she responds. But I can't feel her pain. I can't feel her hurt. I can't, I can't get there all the way. I can do it to the very best that I can empathize with her. But I can't get there all the way. And God says, here, here's what I want to do with you. I'm going to put my own spirit with inside of you so that the mind of God is revealed to you by the Spirit. Your eye has not seen and your ear has not heard, but it'll be revealed by the Spirit. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. That means that God, if God's wanting to do a work inside of you, that means, or a work through you, that means you can begin to hear the voice of God and receive an assignment to be able to carry it out. I talked to you the last time about how it, it takes a, a blueprint a plan, what the plan is like and how if you work outside of the plan it can be disastrous and cost you a, a, a lot of money outside of the, the plan that God has for your life. Remember I talked about somebody says, well, God has a plan for my life and we think it's automatic. In other words, if this is God's plan for my life, then we think that it will automatically start, just the walls will start popping up and the roof will come on. It doesn't happen like that. Any more than you walking into a garage and poof, you become a car. It doesn't happen like that. You have to labor with God. That's what this is all about. God says, here's my plan for your life, but you got to build it. But you know what? I'm going to give you a foreman. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to make a way. I'm, I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going to be able to do that through Jesus, my son. I'm going to be able to do that by the Holy Spirit within you. And, and I'm going to labor with you. So therefore, you can't blame God when everything goes wrong in your life. It might be a decision you made outside of the plan. Huh? Remember I told you, Eddie was texting me last week. Uh, I believe it was last week, maybe a week before last after that sermon. He was working over in Buchanan County, maybe Tazewell County. I don't really know, but, but he, was, he was asking certain houses, which house was it? And he finally got to see the house that I was talking to you guys about uh, because the contractor built it with inside of a right-of-way that belonged to the city or the state, and he didn't check the setback. And he had a perfect plan, but he didn't put it in the right spot. And because he didn't put it in the right spot, the building inspector said, no, you can't build that like that. So he had to cut the corner of the house off. Yeah, literally cut the corner of the house off. No, we're not going to let you build over into somebody else's property. You're going to have to cut the corner of the house off. And it's an odd-looking house. You know, it looks like it's supposed to be one way, but then the corner of the house is just totally cut off. It's cut off because of the building process. It wasn't, wasn't, done, it wasn't done to the way it was supposed to do it. And when you're co-laboring with God, how many know it? it? It helps to know the plan of God. That's why we say we're word-centered. Can you say amen? So we're going to move on today. We're going to move on to a little bit more. So I need to be able to give you some stuff here today that I believe will help you. So here we are. We're building. We're building with God. My co-worker is the Lord. Jesus was a carpenter. But here is what he was doing was setting the backdrop of the will and the plan of God. God says this is all about building something. What is he going to build? He's going to build his church, right? That's what he said. He's going to build his church. He said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell 
Yeah, God. And how many know you're part of the church? And how many know he's employed you to help build the church? Come on, somebody. The ecclesia, the ones that's called out. When you reach somebody and you get somebody, you, you teach them the ways of the Lord, you preach the gospel to them, they receive the Lord, guess what? That now they're part of this church. They're part of the church. They're now a living stone built together for the glory of God. But here's the second part of this thing. is not we're just building with God. We're building with purpose. Building with purpose. People ask all of the time, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? What is my purpose in life? And the word purpose, if you kind of break it down and look at it, and I want to give you some purpose scriptures. Can I give you some purpose scriptures? Because this will kind of set the scene here just a little bit. Let me give you one from Romans 8, 28. Most of you can quote this one. Because anytime you've ever gone through a hardship, somebody's come to you and said, for we know all things work together for the good, for those that love God and them that are called according to his... There's that word. Purpose. 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 And you know what? Some people are trying to find their purpose in life. And they keep trying to find their purpose, but their purpose is only embodied in his, in his purpose, in his plan. You keep trying to, that's why he said, hey, if you keep trying to find your life, you keep trying to save it, you're going to lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, I'll show you what the plan was all for. I'll show you why you were made. You were made to be a lively stone in my kingdom as part of my purpose. Now, we'll, we'll break that down in just a little bit, but I just need to give you these passages of Scripture so that you get the purpose seen here a little bit. So, so maybe, I don't know, maybe I should break down Romans 8 for you because sometimes we, all we see in that is we know that all things work together for, for the good of those who love God. And we say, well, I love God. So it must work out for me. And if it went bad, it's, 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 you know, it's just God working. And God says, no, it don't work unless you're in my purpose. Because if you're still trying to build your purpose, not all things are going to work out for your good. <laughs> but if you're trying to build my purpose, I promise you that I'm going to make it work out for good. For my purpose. Mm -mm -mm -mm. So 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace which he has given us in Christ Jesus before time began. So now you have before time began. What, what does that even mean? That embodies the idea of a plan. God's working a plan. So inside of the plan, there's people that's supposed to belong to Christ. Is that causative? The foreknowledge of God causative? This is going to talk high a little bit, but I don't mean to. Foreknowledge of God is not causative. Just because he knows it doesn't mean he causes it. He can know all things, but it, it doesn't mean it causes it. So the foreknowledge of God is not causative. It's participatory. Meaning, because he, he qualified it by saying to those that are in Christ. Which means if you want to get into the purpose of God, you've got to get into Christ you got to be born again but when you're born again he says hey I'm working out a purpose and I've had this purpose laid out for a long time I want to build myself a family I had a son but I want to build myself a family let me give you another one first John 3 and 8 says he who sins is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning but for this 
purpose. Say it with me. Purpose. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. There we get a little bit of a clue of the idea of the word purpose. The word purpose. Again, we look at the word purpose as looking for the meaning of life and why we are here. And God says the word purpose there, if you go do a word study on it, it's actually a military term. It's the word, it, it can literally be translated like a cause. A cause. How many of you in this room has ever been in the military? Wave at me. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. We want to honor you on Veterans Day, okay? But I want you to understand something. You're going to get heavily what I'm talking about here in just a second. And I want you to pray for the rest of the family so that they'll be able to get it. When you get into the military, you go into the military. You go into the military. There are some things that, there, there are two primary things that has to happen in, in the military. Apart from all of the training, apart from all that you'll have to deal with, there's two primary things that they have to communicate to you in order to make sure that you can successfully carry out anything, any duty that you have been given to do. You want to know what those are? Here's the first one. You need to get this. You have to have a common care for one another. In other words... A part of the psychological mentality is that this is my brother. And I can't leave my brother wounded on the field. I can't leave him hurt. I can't leave him down. I can't leave him by his side. I'm going to help. And so therefore you'll see a camaraderie among people that have been on the battlefield together. People that have been in the military together. And they have an extreme sense of loyalty one to another. Because what they've been taught is that this is my brother. I'm willing to die for my brother. I'm willing to give it up. They've got to have an extreme sense of care for the people that they serve. But this next one, you need to hear me very carefully. Actually, don't let me, let me not move on right there quite too fast. If you look at Jesus' work, one of the things that he strove to do and to instill in us is to become one. An extreme sense of brotherhood. He even put it to the sense that here's if, if you don't even, or if you're not even willing to reject mother and father for my sake in the gospel, you can't even have part with me. What is he saying there? He's, he's trying to get rid of something? No, he's trying to elevate the importance of this family and brotherhood. Because inside of, if you have a strong sense of love one for another, then you, you can have the ability to... Have one another's back. Get in there with one another and care for the body. It has a strong sense of care to it. But here's the second one. You got to have a common enemy. You have to have a common enemy. And the common enemy has to be defined. If you don't have the common enemy defined... If you, if you define one of your brothers as an enemy in warfare when the battle gets hot, I know who you'll shoot. I know who you'll go after. And that's why the Bible says to, you don't war against flesh and blood. He's identifying for you the common enemy. Because 
How many know in the military there's disagreements? There's fights among, among just soldiers. There, there's things that happen. And when those things happen, there's corrective measures that take place. But one of the great measures that's taken place is trying to define that you're not one another's enemy. We have an enemy. We have an enemy to freedom. And anytime they go to the battlefield, the enemy needs to be clearly defined if they cannot see the enemy correctly. So a lot of measures is taken. A lot of intelligence is gathered to find out who's the enemy. Where is he hiding? What's happening? And how do I deal with it? How can I see him? So they have night vision goggles and all kinds of things to just everything to aid in trying to find out who the enemy is. Jesus says, your adversary is the devil. It's not one another. So when you're talking about building God's purpose and building God's plan, two major things that you need to understand. You need to understand, number one, is that we are family here. We're family, we're brothers and sisters in God and we've all got to work together. How many of you, how many of you have seen some of the military movies and, and some of them are maybe not so pure. I'm, I'm just to be honest with you. Some of them are not so pure but when somebody starts lacking behind everybody else winds up having to pay the price. My brother-in-law tells a lot of stories. Him and my sister-in-law uh, they, they're, they're a little older than Charmin and me, Charmin's, Charmin's only biological sister. Uh, they, they were telling stories. Almost every time we get together, there's some military story because you know what they did? He asked her to marry him. And so they want to talk to Charmin's mom. And he just, she just knows that that night that when she wants, he wants to talk to Charmin's mom that she's going to ask the mom for the hand in marriage. Uh, Sean and I both come from divorced families so this is kind of how this played out and uh, he said hey I want to talk to you and, and Sean and Barbara she just begins to cry I know what you're going to ask you're going to ask her for marriage he said yeah I am going to ask that but I also want to tell you we signed up for the military at the same time <laughs> so they get married and both of them get shipped off for basic training uh, yeah that was <laughs> that was uh, interesting stories they tell about, about getting involved. And my brother-in-law will start telling stories of what his basic training was like, all of the things that he went through, and when someone else failed and didn't measure up, everybody else felt it to make sure that they were marching together as one. There's a level of that that's embodied into the kingdom that says we're to bear one another's burdens pray for one another, confess our faults one to another. It's building that sense of one so that you have that common sense of love and common sense of mission. We're building something together. If we don't have this thing walking together, some of us will be killing ourselves raising a wall. That others of you, if you understood your calling, could help lift it and it becomes easy. My father-in-law built houses for years. And I remember some of the things since I was learning to build houses, we would, uh, we would lay the, you know, dig the foundation, lay the block, do all the things. Then it comes time to put the framing on. We put the floor on first. 
And when we put the floor on, one of the things we did was make sure that the outside walls were raised. We'd raise the outside walls because the plan was to get those outside walls raised, get them level, plumb, all the stuff that they needed to be so we could put the roof on so we could work inside of it. We called it getting it dried in. Let's get this thing dried in today so that we you know, don't have to miss rainy days. And when the rain would come, my father-in-law would say, he'd say, he'd draw a circle. He'd say, boys, three drops hit inside of this circle. We'll go home today. We all start praying for rain. He'd lay a block of wood over it. <laughs> but say this, this front of the stage was the outside wall. What we would do would be frame that wall laying down all the way down through it, including putting the sheeting on it. And then there would be a time when we've got it all framed in, all nailed off, everything's plumb, everything's square. We're, now we've got to raise the wall. So everybody got to stop what they're doing, come over and grab a hold of this wall. And sometimes we build them 60 feet long. And, you know, we got it staked down where it can't fall off of the end as we start lifting and pushing and raising. It's called raising the walls. As we start raising the wall, I can tell you, if somebody was out that day, when it was time to raise the wall, we prayed real hard. I did. I was the saved one. The rest of them, their prayers were a little funny. I can't tell you what they were. My father-in-law sometimes, though, if it get really hard, he said, y'all going to lift or y'all going to ride on this thing? It's got to get lifted. Because he was thinking, who's dragging their feet? Who's holding on? Because we have to get it raised. And we get it raised. I mean, you know, if you got enough help, you can raise that thing in an instant. You can keep it moving because there's a family that's got to be in there. There's people that's got to dwell there. There's a dwelling house. And he told us in 1 Peter, here's the whole reason he's doing this. He's making a dwelling place for the praises of Christ to go up. In other words, God says, if you'll build what I'm trying to do, more glory and praise raises to Christ. And so he says, the imagery is, is that we've got, to, we've got to do it, man. We've got to get in there. We've got to do it. And that's the purpose. And the common enemy is not one another. The common enemy is not one another. Because here's what I've seen happen. Anytime we had problems, some t most of the time it was because of people who worked together didn't get along. And the person that didn't get along, if your job depends on somebody else, my son, he's, uh, he's, he's working now and He's just young, but they've moved him in a leadership position. He's in a leadership position. He is a non-union worker working at a union place in a leadership position. That makes it very tough for him. Because if they're saying, you've got to move all of those chairs, and it's Paul's job to move all of those chairs, and you've got all of your chairs moved, but your job is is that section of chairs, you can't touch this section of chairs and he can be behind and they can be all kinds of chairs that still need to be moved. You can sit there and twiddle your thumbs and he can say, these are my chairs. I get to move these chairs and Tanner's over like, ah, I need all of this moved. I got five people standing around but I can't make them do this. And he gets frustrated. He gets frustrated because, because the the job title silos one another into thinking that's not my job. 
I get worried, man, <laughs> that the union sometimes tries to creep its way into the kingdom. That's not my job. That's why we paid a preacher. That's not my job. That's why we got somebody in the youth ministry. That's not my job. That's why we got somebody over here. That's not my job. That's why we got somebody over there. And somebody over there is grunting their self to death. They're pushing with all that's in them. They're doing everything that they had to do, just saying, oh, if somebody could help me bear underneath this. If you've got a sense of common love and know what the common enemy is, you'll never let that person struggle. It's not my, you know what? It's not my calling. We, we have gotten so religious in the church that we use religious terms, it's not my calling, to get out of something that you don't even know what your calling is and it might even be that, but because you don't want to do it, the spiritual thing it says is not my calling. You know how to keep in the top desk drawer of my desk over there? You know what I got in the top drawer? Because here's the next thing that people will say. I don't feel led to do that. You know what I got in my top desk drawer? A lead bullet. I said, let me have your hand. Now you feel led. Let's get it done. Yeah, you, you go right there right now. Open it up. The right-hand desk drawer. Just open it up. It's on the right-hand side. I mean, it's a bullet. It's not the cartridge. Doesn't have gunpowder with it. Does anybody got something to borrow? No, I'm just kidding. I am kidding. I really am kidding. But I do have a piece, of, because we use little spiritual phrases. I don't feel led to do this. I don't feel led to do that. Can you imagine being in the military and your sergeant saying to you, your leader, your commander saying to you, I need you to do this. Here's what you need to do. You need to man this position. You need to make sure you're watching. The I don't feel led to do that. I believe he'd probably feel some lead. Just say it. Just, you, you understand what I'm saying? And we do that in the kingdom of God because we've not understood that we're an army yet. We still look at, we, again, I tried to point out this position so that you could understand the army terminology behind the word purpose. It's not just if you feel like it, it's not what's going to make you feel, ful feel fulfilled in life, at least what you think it is because you can't find your life until you lose it. You, you, you can't even understand it until you lose it. Until you're willing to lose it, you can't let Jesus give you the one that makes the most sense to you. And so until you lose it, that's the salvation story. Until you lay down, unless a seed die, it cannot bring forth life yet. So that's the first thing. It's, that's why we do baptism, to just illustrate death and water, resurrection to life, a new life. Man in, man, in, man in Christ Jesus. He's a new creation. And we typify it by saying, here he is. He went down one way in water, but he come up out of the water in a clean fashion because the water was clean and he come. So we don't understand the military terminology behind it and we don't know that because sometimes the only Bible we have is on Sunday and I'm not here to be mean to you. I just want you to understand I'm in Revelation 19 where it talks about the armies of God that return with him to the earth. Revelation 19, specifically called an army. You say, well, that's got to be the angels. No, he said it's an army clothed in linen, white and clean, made pure by the blood of the lamb. Angels didn't get pure by the blood of the lamb. You and I get pure by the blood of the lamb. So he's talking about me and God says, here's my army. 
Yeah, so now the terminology makes sense. Now the whole idea of purpose makes sense. Now the whole idea of purpose in Romans 8.28, we put that ooey gooey, the one that loved God, I love you so much, and I know this has happened and that's happened. He said, no, this is warfare and scud missiles are going to be launched, but I need you to man your position. I need you to take up your arms. I need you to be cloaked with the weapon of your warfare called the spirit of the living God and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and I need you to man your position I need you to take your place in the kingdom of God because I'm trying to build something I'm trying to build something that if I can build that you ain't ever seen the praises that will go up to the Lord you've not ever seen the glory that can be revealed if I can just get you to man your position so he says you have to have a common brotherhood meaning my brother's not going to struggle and me be there. You know why we confuse the world? Because the world can go out and start a motorcycle club and those people die for one another and the church kills one another. They hear us talking about one another, putting one another down. And who wants to be a part of that? I want to be a part of something that's got my back. I want to be a part of something that knows how to cover. Y'all remember the, the, the message? I want to be a part of somebody that knows how to cover. I'm not trying to expose every, sense, every time that they see me in a moment that I need to do. Yeah. I'm going to say it just because he said it last week, and I think it's true. Man, social media can be one of the greatest things, but it can be one of the most damnable things that I've ever seen. And I mean it just like I said it, because that means condemning. The word damnable means condemning. And I see more people get behind the keyboard and passive-aggressive chickens, and that's what I mean, passive-aggressive, because you know I ain't got enough nerve to say it to your face. Passive-aggressive chicken. And I'm not even trying to get the spirit of redneck going here because that's not what I'm about. I love you too much to not say what I'm about to say right now. I love you too much. It's not me trying to incite a fight, and this is not me trying to say who's the baddest guy in the room. What I am trying to say to you is that the enemy is using you to destroy what God could use in your life by you sitting behind a keyboard somewhere and telling everybody off, but you won't even speak to them in public. Or we make those paintbrush statements that everybody knows who you're talking about. Well, some people just do this. If everybody knows what's happened, if some people would just do this, man, I, you, you would, I, I, if I were to keep the list of passive-aggressive statements that's been made about me on Facebook and Instagram, but you know what? I, I don't have time for that mess. I don't have time for that mess. You know what I say when I see that stuff? Here's what I'm going to do. I love you. I'm still going to be your friend, but I'm going to block what you say because I'm going to believe that you don't mean that against me even though every line fits our last conversation. <laughs> and I'm still going to pray for you. I'm still going to pray for you. But I'm telling you, there's times when the flesh wants to say, mm -hmm. I'm going to write something, but before I even hit sin, I'm going to show up on your front door just so that you're good and mad when you walk out. <laughs> and let's just see what you got. I have to pray. Y'all pray for your pastor. Please pray for me. No, to be honest with you, man, sometimes, sometimes what happens is in the, in the body of Christ, 
we don't have a common brotherhood and we don't share the same common enemy. On the way back from Ruach yesterday, I had a conversation with a beloved pastor. I love him. He called me. Wanted to talk. Dylan was the issue at his church. Wanted to know if I'd ever dealt with it. And when he told me what the issue was, I'm like, Psst. only about 500 times. <clears throat> but it had to do with two people not getting along in the church. What do I do? What do I do about this situation when these two people are destroying and then people start get, getting sides? You know, that's how it happens. You know, that's how church splits happen, don't you? Somebody start. They hear this one's story, and it's their buddy, their friend. They love them. And then all of a sudden, the enemy is the person that hurt them. We forgot that the person that hurt them might have been underneath the influence of the enemy in some way. And instead of getting mad at the enemy, we got mad at the person. And it builds for a while. It builds for a while instead of in the service where the glory is supposed to be going to God. Nobody can lift their hands and glorify God without judging the person over here that's lifting their hands, trying to do it because this person over here told them how terrible this one was. So now God don't have the attention, the people have the attention. We're not giving glory to God anymore. We're now divided. And the enemy loves stuff like that because when he sees that happen, when that stuff starts happening, he renders a body helpless. Here's what he knows. Here's what he knows. All he has to do is to turn up the heat. Once he turns up the heat, it's warfare. You know where y'all seen those stories, and they're true stories. Some of these stories are true. If someone doesn't jail with the brotherhood in the military, and if they've not defined the common enemy, the scariest place to be is not always behind enemy lines on the battlefield. It can be behind the friendly lines. Because an accident could happen. A problem could happen. Or when it is behind enemy lines, I got confused. I couldn't tell which one was the enemy and which one wasn't. Build with purpose. Build with purpose, man. We got a purpose. It's building the kingdom of the living God. It's laboring with the almighty God. It is building a glorious church with the Lord. It is being used by the almighty God. His hand like a glove put inside of you, like, like a hand inside of a glove put inside of your life to bring the glorious praises of the Lord Jesus Christ. So get your hard hat on. Get your vest on. If I was real military, I'd have a really awesome vest right now. Get your belt, get your tool belt on. Get your saw ready. Get your saw. Again, I just want to have that thing on and I forgot again. Yeah. Because... You know what I'd like to preach on right then when I'd have that saw going up? Some things needs to be pruned. Oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Who would be holding the... the, the Y'all remember, I think I told you this story before. My brother and I were cracking, cracking walnuts. 
black walnuts, this is the season for black walnuts. You know, you get those things out, let them let the, get that green stuff off the outside of them, let them dry, and then crack them out because the, the, the nut meat is good and your candy and stuff for the holidays. Yeah, I love that stuff. My brother one time, I said, hey, hold this nut because I couldn't hold we too young. I said, hold this nut while I crack it. <laughs> he was crazy enough to do it. He holds that nut and I rear back. Guess which finger I hit? No. I hit his pinky all the way over here. <laughs> Flatten his pinky a mile away from his... Somebody I couldn't probably get to hold the piece of wood to be able to help you to understand that some things do need to cut away, get cut away. Because I'd like to illustrate that in a way of my role as a pastor to help you to understand some things I have to preach to cut some stuff off of you because pruning has to happen for something to grow back wonderful. And that wraps up this episode of the Covenant Fellowship Podcast. For more information about who we are, please visit us at cfbristol.com or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We hope that you have a blessed day. And as always, just like we find in Isaiah 60 verse 1, we hope you arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you.